Hey y'all, it's Barb. It's Shay. We're here to talk about a murder that's gonna knock you off your feet. So giddy up y'all, this is gonna be a wild one. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode. How was your weekend, Barb? It was great. I spent it hanging out with you, so I can't complain. We shopped till we dropped. Literally. Uh, and we had so much sushi, it was ridiculous. But yeah, so I had a good weekend. It was very fun. Um, don't forget to go on our Facebook page and vote for this month's listener episode. We can't wait to see who you guys pick. Um, but we want to remind you that the voting ends on 521. So make sure that you get your votes in um, soon so that way we can see what you guys vote for. Right now it's tied. So we're not going to tell you who it's tied between, but just know it's tied. Um, I do, before we start, I want to thank my fiance for helping me with today's notes. Uh, he helped me research and everything. Um, but are you ready, Barb? As always. Yes. Okay, so today I will be talking about the unsolved murder of Megan Curl. Um, so we got our information from unsolved.com, reddit.com, unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com, and amwfans.com. So a lot of websites this time. So let's talk a little bit about Megan. Um, when she was five years old, she was diagnosed with a mild learning disability. Uh, due to this, she was made fun of a lot. Uh, the kids would pick on her and made her feel worse about herself than she already did. Um, they were just brutally mean, which I don't understand why kids have to be like that. Um, but people say she was a very, very kind person. She was always nice to the people around her. Um, but when Megan was in high school, her family settled in Lufkin, which was 175 miles southeast of Dallas. Which I've been to Lufkin before, have you? It's near no. Crockett area. Oh, okay. Well, if it's over there, then yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've drove through it. Yeah. So it's, we kind of know that area. But uh, when she was 18, Megan got married and moved to Arkansas with her new husband, which we've been to Arkansas before. So, um, but the marriage was pretty abusive and the two separated not too long after they got married. Um, but according to Sherry McClung, I think that's how you say it, Megan returned to Lufkin and insisted on getting her own apartment. So right after she got a divorce, she moved back to Lufkin and was trying to live on her own. Um, I'm guessing it was a problem because she did have a mental disability. So I don't know how that all worked out. But yeah, so let's go ahead and go into the like life around the time of her murder, so how Megan was living. Megan was a big fan of nightclubs, which who's not? Like, it's who doesn't want to go out at night and go have some fun? Um, but because Megan was so trusting and was so outgoing, she tended to be an easy target for some of these men. Men could tell that Megan wanted to please and that she wanted to, like, somebody to take care of her. And she was lonely. So she was just giving off these kind of vibes that like, I want your attention. So please give me your attention kind of thing. Yeah. But like, could that also mean that maybe she just wanted free drinks? Like being a girl out at the club, it's like, you're going to be nice and act all these types of way just so you don't have to buy your own self a drink. Yeah. And somebody that, else can. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, she could be doing this because she knows what she's doing. You know, nobody Playing really knows. System. Exactly. Why not? Right. If you can, might as well. Um, but she was noted to be overly naive when it came to men by her friends and family. So I'm guessing maybe she. It never like when somebody was trying to play her, I guess it never clicked to her head like, oh, this person's not being true to what they're saying or they they just want something out of it. It didn't ever click to her. But you never know. Maybe she knew and she was just playing dumb. You know how sometimes girls play dumb. So but it's different when you don't actually know the person. Right. But Megan was 26 and had been living in Lufkin for about five years, which Lufkin is in Texas, just so I can put that out there. Of course it is. But I want to show you a picture of Megan, and I'm going to send it to you. Do you want to kind of describe her? Oh, sure. Um, okay, so it looks like she had medium brown hair, thick eyebrows, and a thin upper lip with like a puffer bottom lip or like a thicker bottom lip. She was pretty pale skin, but had a little bit of a tan, and she had dark brown eyes and an oval face. Yeah, she's she's a very pretty, pretty girl. So, I mean, it you would see the why guys would give her so much attention, you know. Um, but so I kind of want to go ahead and go into the night of the murder and kind of talk about like what happened and what went through that night. So on the night of her murder on March 25th, 2000, that's like that's 21 years ago. 21 years of it not being solved? Exactly. Wow. That's crazy. And, like, we just want to say, like, that's also a reason why we love to choose these types of cases for you guys. Because if they're still not solved, there's still things to be found out about the case. Exactly. And if anybody has information on this, we really would appreciate if you would share it. Um, Everything we get is online. So we're just getting just the basic upfront things. So. Um, but she went to a local nightclub called Electric Cowboy where she was like a regular and had many friends. So she would go there constantly and she knew all the workers and so on and so forth. So she, it wasn't unusual for her to be there. But on this night, she was asked to leave and an unidentified man left and went with her a few blocks down to another club called the Sports Shack. So... I guess maybe she maybe got too drunk or something to be asked to leave. You have to be doing something bad or unless maybe she was with this guy. He was doing something that he wasn't supposed to be. Um, Anyways, at the sports shack, another man, which was a friend of hers, drove her home from there. So she left one club with one guy, went to another one and then left with another guy that was that was supposedly her friend. So she arrived at home around like 1.30 a.m., which is not unusual when you go out. And a close friend slash neighbor, Tanya, I think that's how you say it, waited up to hear the details of her, like how her night went. So I'm guessing she, they were like best, they're close friends. So they were probably told each other everything. Well, she claims that she and Megan were standing outside talking when a man suddenly appeared in a speeding car. The man came to a dead stop. Then Megan said that she believed it was a friend of hers from the club. So she went down to him 
which I don't know. It doesn't say if she thought it was the first man that she left with or the second man that she left with. But to me, just thinking about it, maybe it was a second one because he had to drop her off. So the, this person had to know where she lived to be able to come back. Mm-hmm. So I can just assume maybe it was a second one, but there's nowhere that said exactly who it was. Well, um, the car came back and she went down there and talked to them and Tanya went into her apartment and when she came back out, it was still there and Megan was in the car with the man. Then she went back into the apartment again and when she came back out, the car was still there and Megan and the man was not there. So she she went in once. And then when she came out, they were there. Then she went inside again and came out and they were gone. But the car was there, but they were both gone. So you can assume that they went inside at this point to her apartment. So whoever this man was probably went inside with them, according to what the neighbor had saw. Um, But around 2.20 a.m., not even an hour later, she went to Megan's apartment to check on her, which I guess that person, whoever dropped her off, wasn't gone very long because if you think one thirty, then she went to go talk to her friend. They weren't talking for very long until he came back. And this was two twenty, So that was, this was just when she went to go check on her, not when the guy came back. So they weren't, she wasn't home very long. Um, anyways. So Tanya went to go check on Megan. And when she answered the door, Tanya noticed that the man was with her she said that it was her friend from the club and she said she was okay. So her friend went and checked on her and hopefully everything looked fine. So Tanya looked at, down to him, which I guess that means maybe he was shorter than him, than her. If she looked down to him, who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the man nodded his head slowly without them exchanging any words. She asked Megan if she was really okay, and she said she was. So Tanya said goodnight and left, which I think I applaud Tanya for actually checking on her and like, okay, dude, like, are you a legit, like, are you okay or not? But I'm glad she went over there and checked on her. Anyways, so after she said goodnight and left, this was like the last time Megan had seen her alive. So soon after her neighbors noticed flames in her apartment, they didn't say who who noticed the flames, but they they just said just some neighbors. I don't know if it was Tanya or not. Well, the fire department arrived and after they were called and the fire was put out, they made a shocking discovery, though. Can you guess what it was? Uh, I'm assuming Megan was dead and burnt. Yes. So they discovered her body was charred beyond recognition. Her hands were tied to her bed and her throat had been slashed to the bone and a plastic bag had been placed over her head. Whoa. Yeah. So not only so you can just assume that she was killed before she was burned. You know, maybe they were just the whoever this person was that did it wanted to try to get rid of the evidence, but didn't work out very well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess it did. They can't find who this person is if it's still unsolved. Um, so she, she was later identified by her dental records and authorities are certain that her killer was the man that Tanya saw her with that like earlier. 
and he has never been located. So they don't what? even they don't know the name of this person. They don't know anything. They just have a drawing of him. I mean, there has to be cameras and like like his car was literally parked out there. Had to be parked out there for a while. So like how <clears throat> excuse me. How is there like no cars or no other witnesses? I mean, she literally met the dude. Yeah, and maybe since it's a small town, they don't have as many cameras. Um, but even then, if yeah. it's a small town, everybody knows each other. So who is this dude? Unless exactly. he was like a foreigner out of town. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. It's it's just crazy to me that, especially since she was at a club with them, it wasn't only the neighbor who saw her with him. It was people at clubs who saw her with him. And if she was a regular at this club, then of course they're going to be paying attention on who she was with. And you not know. only that, but if he was drinking, they would have checked his ID. Mm-hmm. You saw who, what his name was. There had to be cameras at a bar. Like, yeah, what? I just think this this case is so crazy. I feel like there's probably some other details that we're missing that's making it more difficult to find. But it just to me, I think it's insane that they can't figure out who this man is. But the prime suspect in this case is a white male with blonde hair a light mustache, a gold and gold rim glasses, and would now be in his late 30s. So he was pretty young at this point, um, which I'm sure she was too, because if she was 18 when she got married, and then she divorced recently after, she was probably in her 20s as well. Yeah, so he would have been like like late teens, early 20s. Mm-hmm. So the police also wanted to speak to a man wearing a cowboy hat who Megan had met at the club. He was seen buying several drinks for her, but he is not considered a suspect. Although they wanted to question him for any clues of her murder, he is a white or Hispanic male with dark complexion and dark hair. Megan's past lovers were questioned. However, they all had solid alibis and none of them are considered a suspect. Well, yeah, that's crazy because, like, the gentleman who took her home was her friend. so Or so she says. Well, or so she says. But if that's true, like, if I had a friend, you would have known of my friend. So you would have known who that could have possibly been mm-hmm. and identified somebody by that same physical detail that the girl was giving please yeah and to me it's like like you said earlier the small town vibes everybody knows everybody kind of thing so especially like like if you know who your neighbor like if you're friends with your neighbor so tanya was friends with i'm not saying anything was her fault at all whatsoever but you would think that she would say oh hey like what's your name you know but at in that moment you don't ever think like oh my friend's gonna get murdered so you don't ever think of these things but yeah i just it's just super Super weird that nobody in the whole town knows who this person was. Lufkin's not big at all. Mm-mm. So Not even back then. That was 20 years ago. Exactly. So, but I have a picture of him, of the suspect. Uh, do you want to kind of describe what he looks like? Um, yeah. He has shaggy hair, pretty much right past his ears. He had a pretty pointy nose and it seemed to be like a little bit crooked by the drawing a straight and kind of like narrow mustache and he's obviously wearing glasses like you mentioned before the pictures are in black and white so I can't really tell how much the color like of his skin hair or eyes was but 
Yeah, pretty much matched the description that you gave. Yeah, you know, and I saw this picture and I'm not 100% sure that it was her boyfriend or was the guy that she was with or whatever. But this picture was I like almost identical to this person, except for he had his head shaved and wasn't wearing glasses. But, you know, I don't know who that person was. It didn't really state who it was. But still, I just I was like, oh, that kind of looks like him. Well, yeah, and those characteristics are very ch- changeable. You can change your hair. Mm-hmm. You can change your accessories on your face. Yeah. So I do want to mention that Megan's ex-boyfriend, Tim Purvis, I believe, was considered a suspect in her murder. Before her murder, she had testified about him being abusive, which led to his parole being revoked, which I'm, I'm wondering if it was her ex-husband. Or did are they saying ex-boyfriend? Maybe she had a boyfriend after she got a divorce. Um, but it didn't really clarify like if it was her ex like husband that they're calling a boyfriend because they weren't together very long, because he was abusive. And this person was abusive as well. So it could be the same person. Um, but he was released from prison about one week re- one week prior to her murder. He had an, an alibi for that night, and Tim died in an accident in 2003. So only three years after Megan was killed, he had died. But in 2012, a Lufkin police officer stated that they believed they knew who killed Megan. But the problem was that they did not have enough evidence to charge the individual. So the case remains unsolved. Megan's father, Ernesto, passed away in 2014 at the age of 67. So they... I don't understand how they, if they don't have enough evidence, like, I want to know what is causing them to not be able to get this person. Like, what's stopping them from, I guess it's all hearsay at this moment. I think with the lack of evidence and everything burning to Chris, I mean, you don't have the DNA. You don't have any fallen hairs. You don't have any rape kit. You don't have any... Um, pretty much anything that can really identify somebody. The only thing that you could lie, like really rely on is witnesses or cameras at this point. And the witnesses kind of fell through. Maybe there wasn't cameras. And if there would have been, they could have been caught already. So without not having any DNA, you're pretty at a, pretty much a standstill. Yeah, I, I want to know like if anybody saw his car outside, like, I don't know what kind of area, like where they lived in, like if they lived in a neighborhood or if they lived in an apartment complex or so on and so forth. Like they couldn't be the only ones around that just that saw his car. He had to pass. He went there. He he drove her home, then left and then came back. So he didn't just drive by twice and there and back. He left and then he had to leave again after well, not only that, but even back then, I mean, you're talking only 20 years ago. Back then, depending on where you were, a lot of um, stoplights had cameras. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to track license plates. You know, you had it back then, you were tracking people that way. Exactly. So where's all that? Yeah. And then, like, did they not have phones? You know, yeah, to track it's GPS. 2000, so they, everybody had phones there. Or then, but, you know. I think that's pretty sketchy. I mean, not sketchy, but I honestly feel like, and, you know, we're never going to knock the police, but when cases aren't solved 
it's like we're always coming up with ideas of, okay, what could you have done differently to to close a case? Because, I mean, her father dying, um, Ernesto passing away, not even getting closure on his child of what happened to her, just seeing that how she was killed and then being burnt, you know, possibly after passing away. It's like, what could you have done differently? Do you think that her case is treated differently because she had a mental disability and back like in maybe in the 2000s, they didn't treat it the same way they would now? No, not because of that. I just feel like sometimes investigators pick and choose which ones are more important than the others. Yeah, which is unfortunate. But when but, you know, in Lufkin, it's just. Like we keep saying, it's a small town. What what did they have to investigate? Well, if you think about it, like back then, 9-11 happened. So it was kind of everywhere. And even back with famous cases, people say that it was put on a back burner because of 9-11. You know, yeah. it was all over the news. Nobody was hearing about it. it. There wasn't no traction with it because all everywhere you looked, it was about 9-11 for several years, even after it happened. So... Maybe they were trying, but the news wasn't picking it up like they should have because they were focusing on something else. That's true. That's a good, that's a really good point. Yeah. It just, it's just a really, like, it's a bummer that stuff like this happens, like something that you, it seems so easy to solve, but at the same time, there's all these things thrown in that you just cannot control. Um, But I really, really hope that someday and hopefully soon her case is solved. Um, but like I said, unfortunately, it is not solved, and we don't know for sure who did it. They think they know who did it, but they can't. They can't just say, "Oh, this person did it." Um, but I hope there's justice for justice for Megan and her family. I could not imagine the pain and suffering that she went through. With, I mean, I'm. This sounds terrible, but I hope she was already gone before she was burned because I couldn't like just imagine the pain that that would have been. On top of everything else that she already went through. Oh, yeah. So before we end, do you have any questions or concerns that you want to talk about? Not really. I I mean, if that's all the case pretty much had, it's like we didn't, we weren't able to put too much out there. But I mean, we, like I said earlier, we still want to cover those, these cases that aren't solved because there's still not justice for her and her family. And, you know, that's a big deal for us. Like, that's why a lot of the cases that we cover are not solved because we want to get the information out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, and even when they are like short like this, I know this one's not as long as our other ones, but it's because we feel it's important no matter how long the episode is to get the word out. And, you know, we didn't, like we said, we don't, we don't put that much information, but we try to put as much as we can get out there just to get her name heard, you know, small towns like Lufkin don't really get noticed. And when you, when people pass away or get murdered in them, no one knows. So we would just like to talk about it and get everybody's like attention on this case. And that's really important to us. And that's a big reason why we started this. So that will be the end of today's episode. We are happy that you all are here with us and chugging along we know we missed last week, but Barb had lost her voice and we felt it was important for her to get better before we did episodes. Um, but she is thankfully all better and feeling well. Um, we are very happy to be back and 
Thank you all for your love and support. Stay out of dark places and watch your back because you never know who's lurking. Bye. Bye.